and welcome to episode 19 of the Pi Podcast, the show by members of the Raspberry Pi community for the Raspberry Pi community. I'm Joe. I'm Isaac. And I'm Albert. And later on, we'll be talking to John Cole of Dexter Industries. But before that, let's cover a bit of news. And some great news. Pi, which we interviewed uh, the last time, uh, they've added some new functionality to it already. Yes, yeah, so the new functionality is there. One of them is EmonPy, and you might be asking, what is EmonPy? Because I did that as well. And it turns out that you can turn your Raspberry Pi into an energy and environment usage monitor with a really nice web interface. And some of the functionality you get through DotPy with that is that it provides an ultra lightweight alternative to the entire installation of the EmonPy image. The second functionality that is uh, out of the box now is a Tor hotspot. So if you have a Raspberry Pi that you're using as a Wi-Fi hotspot or access point, then you can add this functionality and that will route all the Wi-Fi traffic through the Tor network and for any of your connected devices. And that is something I've done with one of my other Raspberry Pis is set up as a Tor hotspot or Tor proxy. And I really enjoyed that project and really enjoy using that. And I haven't done this yet through the Diet Pi, but I plan to do that pretty, pretty soon. Yeah, you need an Ethernet cable and a wireless dongle, or you can do it on a Pi 3 that's got the Wi-Fi built in. But it sounds very interesting. Yeah, it's a good way to get all of your traffic routed through Tor, if if that's what you want to do, to get around certain blocks and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, we'll provide links in the show notes because Joe is totally correct. There's a little bit more details, not so much on the Tor hotspot, but definitely on the Emon Pi stuff that you'll need to pick up on. So we'll leave they have detailed instructions for how to sell that up. And so the Amazon Echo is uh, quite a cool thing that you can buy and, and use to control various things. But there's a, a cheaper alternative using the Raspberry Pi. And you've been looking at this, Isaac. Yeah, uh, I got this news story, I think, through my phone. I picked up on it and eventually just said, you know what, I'm going to do this. I have all the pieces in-house and just spun it up. It took me about a couple hours to do. You really don't need any previous programming experience. You just need the really the pieces. And I believe it was a speaker. Um, what else? I can't remember Raspberry Pi, the code, and you just need a couple hours of your time, and that's honestly it. And you need a, a microphone, don't you? Because this thing's a, a personal assistant that you kind of bark orders at. That, that's totally correct. I forgot about that. You do need the microphone, and the it's it works really nice. I enjoyed it. The only downside would be it's not voice activated. You have a button interface, a GUI interface created through a Java client that you just you basically push start, you talk, then you push stop, and it processes your command. So it worked out really well, and yeah, I'd recommend everybody give it a spin for sure. I heard it's only uh, working with American Amazon accounts. Do you know if that's the case, or have you seen anything else on it? That I the only thing I heard about on that was that the Echo is not sold outside of America, so I'm not for sure if it works with non-American Amazon accounts. Now I I will admit that Alexa, which is the interface so echo is the device and alexa is basically their cortana amazon has i will admit there's not much you could do with it other than like tell me a joke or what is the weather like and maybe order some stuff off amazon now, i'm a big i'd rather put hands or eyes to what i'm about to buy but if you say buying toilet paper or laundry detergent it would be good for that but it doesn't do very much now it does work with home automation that's something i put off buying and i'm going to give that a spin and definitely try that out because that's definitely where the Alexa concept and interface takes off further than Cortana or Google Now. Yeah, it sounds like an alternative to Minecraft and hopefully they can kind of spur each other on and, and kind of make development happen and kind of a bit of an arms race there. 
Yeah, I totally agree with that, Joe. I, that, and also, I did hack into the code that you can get through GitHub. So we'll provide links and show notes to the GitHub account where you can just pull that down. It has great instructions on how to set this all up. I tried hacking into it to try and get the voice automation set up. And it's it's a I just went to a black hole, which I never came out of. <laughs> so that I never got that up and running. But I agree. I hope the Mycroft stuff and uh, this Alexa project kind of bounce off each other and do a bit of arms race, see which comes out best on top. So if the idea of having to click a button to make Alexa process your commands is rather unappealing and turns you off to the whole Raspberry Pi Alexa project, then an easy and great way to make that project better would be to use the Raspberry Pi touchscreen with a much smoother interface. Like, say, maybe the LaCars interface, which is now completely possible thanks to Toby Curran, I believe is how you pronounce his last name, Toby has put together an interface for the Pi touchscreen that recreates the LaCars interface, which you'll probably recognize being the computer display you would always see on the on Star Trek The Next Generation. And this works really well with IoT projects. The project's available on GitHub for, for everyone and anyone to use. And I've been holding out, me personally, buying a touchscreen. I believe that due to his project and this Alexa stuff I've spun up, it is now time for me to buy this and see what I can put together because I would love to automate my apartment <laughs> according to this. You just love Star Trek, don't you? You couldn't resist this one. No, I could not. I saw this news story and immediately was tried to do it and I didn't have the touchscreen. I think you could do it for a desktop background that that buys me nothing. I want to set this up. I just need the uh, I need the Star Trek Next Generation interface he got and now I need the computer voice from the original Star Trek and I will be set. <laughs> Fantastic. A little a little tip on the touchscreen. Flip the uh, display upside down. Um, when when they launched it first, they I think they did the firmware with the screen in one orientation, and the vertical viewing. So looking down on it isn't great, but if you turn the whole thing upside down, then it gives a much better viewing angle. I think they've changed it actually as the default now. So those of us who got the screen originally with original stands have to put in a little code in the config.txt just to make it turn upside down. So just watch for that, but it works great. Sweet, thanks for the heads up. I'll definitely keep that in mind. I'll let you guys definitely know when I do all this. <laughs> Ubuntu Mate is something we've talked about since the very first show. We interviewed Martin Wimpress about that project, and it's been trucking along on the desktop as well as the Raspberry Pi, and we are very near to a final release of uh, 16.04, and I've been testing out the, the beta of that, beta 2, and it's got working Bluetooth, and when I say working, I mean it really, really works well. Yeah, I've had a chance to play with it as well. I bought a little um, media remote game controller thing off eBay, and uh, it just it connected. It was seen as, because uh, the media controller is keyboard, and the um, game controller obviously is a, a gamepad, and it worked perfectly using Bluetooth, using a Pi game to program it. I just wrote, programmed up a, a small little tester script, and it worked perfectly. Yeah, because even on Raspbian at the moment, there's not really a GUI way to connect your Bluetooth devices to the Raspberry Pi 3. Whereas with Ubuntu Mate, now I've got this little mini Bluetooth keyboard and touchpad, and that connects no problem, persists through reboots. It's just working absolutely perfectly. And I spoke to Martin about it, and he told me that it's been a real labor to get this working. It's, uh, it's, it's very tricky. Bluetooth in Linux is a difficult thing. But he's been working really hard, and it's looking really, really good. Yeah, and the, the other thing then for, for people who are using the Raspberry Pi in a more traditional way is that Scratch GPIO, 
and uh, the GPIO zero, they work brilliant on it. So, so the GPI functionality in Scratch just works. I've tested it; it works perfectly. And GPIO zero is installed as standard, so uh, you got full access to the GPIO without having to uh, sudo into to run your commands. Yeah, and the video optimization is really coming along, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I um, installed Kodi and a couple of other packages, and it was really, really, really smooth. Um, it, it it's definitely looking fantastic, and I know that Martin is doing even more work to try and make that even better. Um, and he was saying that that was even before some of the sort of hardware optimization could even be kicked in properly. So, yeah, expecting expecting great things there. Uh, what I'd love to see is sort of cross pollination between Raspbian and uh, Mate because they're they're both Debian based. So I'd I'd suspect the packages could just go backwards and forwards, which would be brilliant. Yeah, I think that a lot of that has happened already, and I think that it will continue to do so. And for me, it's really great that you haven't just got one option now. You know, before Raspbian was the the only sort of kind of desktop operating system, whereas now you've got two, which, yeah, they they've both share the Debian roots, but Ubuntu Mate is being based on Ubuntu. It's slightly different in the way it does something. So you've got two really, really solid options now. And when this final release comes out very shortly... It's, you know, it means that you can just pick whichever one you want and they've both got really good features. And it's really kind of 50-50 for me, really. Depends on what I want to do with it. Yeah, and Mate just about fits on a 4-gig card still. Yeah, just about, but I think 8-gig minimum, really, if you want to actually be able to use it. Yeah, because you're going to end up downloading stuff and it's going to immediately top out with the space if you do the 4-gig cards. So I would definitely recommend. I mean, micro SD cards are pretty cheap. I'd recommend going pretty high with it. But I I don't know why. I agree, Joe. I don't know why you'd be using any other OS at this point in time other than Ubuntu Mate. Yeah, I think there's still some of the the functionality comes into Raspbian first. So if you want to stay up with what's happening with the, the Raspberry Pi specifically, then Raspbian definitely is where, where everything is going to appear first and then it'll move across. But yeah, Martin and the Mate guys are doing a fantastic job getting it working very, very well on the Raspberry Pi and especially on the Pi 3. Yep. So here uh, the past couple of weeks, there's been, I feel like a, a bunch of stories coming on the pipeline where people are taking a ga- uh, Game Boy and just turning it to probably the most beautifulest game console I've ever seen with a Raspberry Pi Zero. And I just cannot get over the the show that we'll link to in the show notes that we're talking about. I just, I honestly cannot get over what he's put together. Um, his name, I believe is Wormy. I believe that's correct. He's created his own Game Boy with a couple extra buttons but to me, the real beauty of this project that he did was he created his own Game Boy cartridge that serves as a home to his micro SD card. And it fits perfectly into the Game Boy cartridge slot, which provides that ultimate trip back to memory lane for all of us who own an original Game Boy. And I'm just super, I love this project. I'm super surprised. Looks amazing. And just uh, well done, sir. Great job. And congratulations. It's amazing. Yeah, he's put a lithium battery in there, new color screen. And as you said, the new buttons from uh, another, I think from a NES controller. And it's the original chunky Game Boy. It looks so cool. I really want one. I don't think I've got the the technical skills and the patience to put it together, but I'd love to have one to play with. It does look good. I, I, I love these retro gaming things I've seen as well. People take, you can get these sort of um, generic uh, SNES controllers, USB SNES controllers. Yeah. And you can get a Pi Zero into those as well. 
So you you know you don't have the screen, but you can plug it. You literally have a SNES controller with the battery built in with a Pi Zero, running RetroPie, and then just plug it into your TV, and that's it. So one cable coming out of it, and you're done. What for all your retro fun? Yeah, the Pi Zero was really just made for this kind of stuff, wasn't it? Brilliant. So some new Pi Academy dates have been announced, this time in uh, Newcastle. Uh, yeah, that is correct. Uh, it'll be at the Newcastle Library in Newcastle. Looks like the dates are going to be May 18th and 19th and May 26th and 27th. And if you are curious about the Pi Academy and would like to learn more about it, I would uh, recommend you check out Episode 5, where we interviewed Les Pounder, who talks all about the ins and outs of the Pi Academy and the application process and the things you'll learn when you go there. Yeah, and I think Kyle Lamin as well in her interview mentioned the fact that she went through it as well um, and what it was like and just how how amazing it is. I mean, what I love is whenever the Pi Academy goes on, there's always a lot of tweeting, people saying that this is, you know, some of the best training they ever have. It's very, very practical. So if you're into uh, computing in schools and you're in the UK and near Newcastle or can get there, it's definitely worth applying. So you've been checking out the OpenGL drivers, the the experimental ones, Albert. Yeah, yeah. There was they they announced the um, the OpenGL experimental drivers a while back, and I, I you know ran them and they worked well. And then I saw somebody mention that uh, MindTest works on the Raspberry Pi. So for people who don't know, MindTest is an open source version of Minecraft. So they're not compatible. They're completely different. It looks the same though. It plays the same. It has full crafting. It's got massive worlds in it. Um, you can do multiplayer very easily. So I've had the, the Raspberry Pi as the server and then connected in from a Windows 10 laptop. So that the, their app, they're compatible, 100% compatible. You can do full survival mode. You can have mods and mobs in there. Um, and the OpenGL drivers make this possible because it doesn't work without them. And uh, the only thing I did notice was that it really, really hammers the GPU um, to the extent that about 80 degrees, it just gives me a full rainbow screen. So um, I put up some videos about it and uh, you'll every, every so often you'll just hear where I'm literally stepping over to the side, blowing on. <laughs> The Raspberry Pi, I have a heatsink on it and I'm blowing on the Raspberry Pi to cool it back down, get it back down to about 70, escape back into it. So the game's still playing. It's still running, but it's it's just stopped doing all graphics and then I can play for another while. So in the video, it does bomb out every so often. But the, the, the key thing here is the OpenGL drivers are great. It looks like there's still some optimization to do. Um didn't really need to disable much, if any, of the uh, the special effects. It didn't appear to run much faster when I disabled a lot of the special effects and the, the special rendering. So it looks like it just runs full speed with a massive world, with full network play. Um, yeah, it's it's great. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with the OpenGL drivers. Uh, another game that I tried as well was chromium Dash. BSU, I think is what it is. So sudo apt get install chromium dash BSU, which is a, an old school vertical shooter. And without the OpenGL drivers, it's kind of horrible. With OpenGL, it's kind of hard. <laughs> so worth checking out. Yeah, sounds excellent. But that'll do it for the news then. Let's move on to the interview. We're now joined by John Cole, who is CEO and founder of Dexter Industries. So welcome, John. Thank you for having me. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Sure. Um, I, 
founder of Dexter Industries. Um, I studied engineering a long time ago and uh, gradually over time became a real big Raspberry Pi enthusiast. So we founded uh, Dexter Industries started in 2010. We started making um, third-party sensors and other fun stuff for Lego Mindstorms, which at the time was a very open platform. And that's um, actually how I learned to develop hardware and software. Um, we started making a bunch of our first stuff right on just on the kitchen table, making it all by hand and uh, shipping it out directly to customers, you know, sort of making the weekly USPS run. And um, a few years ago, we ran our first Kickstarter to sort of test the waters um, for the Raspberry Pi. And we had an idea to join up the Raspberry Pi and Lego Mindstorms. And it was a huge hit. We had a great Kickstarter. Uh, we had a... Um, fun time doing it, had a huge engaged community and, and really haven't sort of looked back since. We've come out with a couple other products that we focus on hardware around the Raspberry Pi. And so is it a fairly small company then? It is, yes. We have uh, seven employees right now. Uh, we're all sort of spread out around the world, but um, we're, uh, we're growing. So looking to hire more. So was the goal always, what was the goal in mind, I should say? Was it to create robotics or co robotic concepts with the Raspberry Pi, or was it was the Raspberry Pi always the central focal point along with robotics? Yeah, exactly. I, I should have mentioned that at the beginning. Our, our focus really is on making robotics with the Raspberry Pi. Uh, we've uh, I think there's like huge potential with the Raspberry Pi to teach and to learn coding, and we've seen um, a lot of folks, you know, get excited. Um, about the ability to sort of make their own robots. And so it's been a great platform. We started out um, really working a few years ago, working to make fun stuff for, for hobbyists and for engineers. And the last year, year and a half or so, we've moved into really trying to focus on education and trying to come up with some interesting ways to do curriculum. So even uh, last year, we sort of we launched our latest Kickstarter, which was GoBox. And we have a product called the GoPi Go. And it's a Raspberry Pi robot. It's a, um, a small kit you get and uh, assemble, put the Raspberry Pi on. And the Kickstarter and some of the work that we've done since has been to sort of develop uh, teaching curriculum around how to use robots and or how to use Raspberry Pi and um, how to use uh, it to program and build robots. So that's a lot of fun to do. That was something I was going to ask you about, the, the education thing. I have noticed in the last year or so a huge shift and uh, in emphasis, I suppose, towards education, whereas in the early years of the Raspberry Pi, it was all about the makers, the tinkerers, as I like to say, the middle-aged blokes, whereas now it's really focused to kids and the, the kind of original goal of the Raspberry Pi, which was education. And so it, uh, you have presumably seen that happen as well, and that's why you're going down that route. You know, we have, um, we've seen more and more folks get interested in using it for different stuff for education. But I would say that I, I think that the, the serious user slash hacker user maybe or, and, uh, and maker, if I sort of I hate to lump all those folks together, but, um, I'd say that's still going strong. Even this past week, you saw that, uh, Amazon announced this whole how to use their Alexa service, uh, project, which is, I think, primarily geared towards uh, software developers and software, say, professionals, sort of helping them do that. And we've seen that, too, 
with our products um, at South by Southwest. Google was announcing their cloud API and, and demonstrating it, uh, and they were using the GoPi Go, our Raspberry Pi robot, as their platform. So we still see that. We see AWS or Amazon Web Services buys uh, the Grove Pi, another product that we put out to demonstrate they have to demonstrate their software. They have um, something called the uh, Internet of Beer, and it's a beer keg that is like monitored and operated in their different AWS uh, offices and puts the data about the beer up there. So I think that, you know, that's that's clearly a professional use of it, but that in the, the hobbyist portion of the Raspberry Pi spectrum, I think is still growing, still, still really awesome and vibrant. What would you say has been your most successful Kickstarter project so far? Has it always seemed to be that the latest one you guys do is getting more successful than the one prior to it? I think our, our last Kickstarter, the GoBox, was certainly very successful. Uh, and our first Kickstarter, the Brick Pie, was really successful. We've, we've done three or two other Kickstarters as well. We did um, one called the Arduberry that links Arduino shields with the Raspberry Pi. And... Uh, a year ago, we uh, we launched the GoPi Go, um, our Raspberry Pi robot, on Kickstarter as well. All of them have kind of got great great traction. Um, I'd say sort of holding strong, I guess, to sort of answer your question. So, in terms of needing to use Kickstarter, presumably you, you did need to do that early on. But now that you have become a bit more established, is it a case of that's where people expect you to be so you're there i mean what i'm driving at is that this seems to be a trend that um where kickstarter and indiegogo and things like that used to be for people who really needed to do that and had no other choice now it appears to be an active choice for for certain companies sure i i think it's it's still kickstarter itself is still an interesting platform to launch products on it to do new stuff with i think uh we're we're a very entrepreneurial company. We're still sort of in our startup phase. We're very small. Um, one of the hardest things I think you can hear as an entrepreneur, you um, put a product out. You work, So you work for months or years to design a product and to come up with something new. You put it out there. And most people think that, you know, the worst thing that can happen is that you fail. Like people just say, oh, this is terrible. This is not a good idea. Actually, the worst thing that can probably happen to you, say, as an entrepreneur or as a business owner, is just straight crickets. So nothing happens, complete silence. And Kickstarter, I think when you're engaged and you use it properly, it's a way to to launch a product, to reach people that are interested in something new and something experimental, and to sort of gauge uh, how big it's going to be. So I... I'm a proud owner of the Evago Pi Go kit and also a Groove Pi kit. And I just, I love the Groove Pi a lot. It really eliminates that inch, that barrier entry to playing with the, the GPIO pins makes it a lot easier. Is there any, is there any, is there going to be another Groove Pi, uh, I guess, kit in the future? I would love to see another one or an improvement on this one. I know there's a lot more sensors for it. And I was just wondering if there'd be more in the future for that. It's a great question. Yeah, we're exploring like a few different options, like different sensor kits to sort of package up with the Grove Pi. Um, one of the things that we, when we first launched it, we thought it'd be interesting for folks that say really geared towards folks that have a real strong software background and may not have the hard, uh, a very strong hardware background. 
And uh, we wanted just to have an easy way, as you said, to go ahead and throw sensors together and, and make something physical that interacts with the, um, the solid outside world uh, and still lets you do your software thing. And so what we've seen of like a, a bunch of different uses, and some of it has been for exactly what we thought would be um, software developers that are interested in doing something that interacts with the world, real world, you know, takes in data or um, that, that moves or does something. We've seen some great uses of it in the classroom. So teachers wanting to do, say, like weather monitoring projects or greenhouse experiments, a whole host of different stuff that's really kind of cool, that's kind of grown organically from uh, users telling us how they use it. So we're, we're, we're interested in putting together something more of a, a education package, I think. And um, one of the other interesting uses that we're still trying to sort of wrap our head around is uh, a, a bunch of different companies. We recently wrote a blog post about this, but a number of different companies that are developing, say, IoT software, Amazon Web Services. Um, and we're working with a company called Initial State that also does IoT background. And um, a few of the, the other larger companies have done these projects where they want to monitor something or they want to put together a package to show off their IoT or Internet of Things software. And so I think in the, um, in the near term, we're looking at putting together a package that sort of allows different companies to do that as well. So the Raspberry Pi nowadays is really, I guess, leading the charge for other single board computers. Is Dexter Industries looking to play around with other boards as well or just stay strictly with the Raspberry Pi? Well, I think for for now we're we're still madly in love with the Raspberry Pi. Um, you know the the killer app of the Raspberry Pi is there's a huge community and other boards that come along that maybe are technically superior uh, and and sometimes cheaper and um, they've done maybe a great engineering job and it's just hard to sort of find a, a lot of people that are as enthusiastic about it and a lot of people and as many people that are as enthusiastic about hopping in and 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 helping out um, new learners sort of learn how to use it, learn how to program it, um, and learn how to sort of interact with it. And uh, I don't see that going away or, or changing that much anytime soon. There, there have been some really interesting competitors, um, just nothing that um, has moved the needle for us far enough to, to really engage. So I've noticed that too, that the Raspberry Pi community is just outstanding. What are some ways that Dexter Industries is helping to further that community and get you, not just your name, but the Raspberry Pi further out there? So we go to a, a bunch of different maker fairs and we go with, uh, with Raspberry Pis in hand and sort of talk about them. Um, I think that's, that's probably one of our, our major contributions. We sent um, door gifts to the recent Raspberry Pi uh, birthday Unfortunately, we none of us uh, could really find a way to attend the Raspberry Pi birthday, which hopefully next year we'll get a chance to go. And then I think the, the bigger thing is we're, we are packaging up the Raspberry Pi with uh, a use case. So this is these are things that people really want to do. They really want to go into the classroom. And um, we're sort of extending that use case. You can go in and you can play Minecraft and you can program it and you can do some really awesome things with the Raspberry Pi alone I think with when you when you add in robotics and you add in the ability to sort of turn that into robotics you, you're able to engage especially on the education level students and that sort of thing you're able to really engage them in a different and, and in some ways a more um, uh, a deeper way and so I think that would be 
our major contribution would be to sort of um, helping, uh, especially in the education community, to go ahead and um, engage uh, students in, in a different, more meaningful way. So Dexter Industries is based in the US, but is kind of an international company. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Like like most companies, um, we have operations and we're sort of uh, we're spread out all around the world. Um, we're based out of the U.S. and we're founded. We have an office in Reston, Virginia, um, and um, we do a lot of our um, our work in the U.S. Um, because of personal circumstance, I'm based out of Dubai. My wife works here, and so um, I'm able to work here. And we have uh, members on our software and engineering team that are in the U.S. and in India, um, and uh, and we have folks that do manufacturing and, and purchasing for us in China. So we're sort of, uh, the sun the sun never sets on the uh, Dexter Industries empire, so to speak. <laughs> and we sell we sell North America and, and Europe. And we, you know, even more importantly, we have like, we have contributors and, and, and folks that contribute to our like GitHub repositories and give us advice and test things out for us. And they're all over the world. It's easy for us to be very UK and US centric on this show because that's where we're from. But have you noticed an increase in the kind of international market for Raspberry Pi related products then? Yes. Um, we certainly sell internationally into the UK and the United States. Those are very big markets. And then in, in Europe in general, um, there are a lot of folks that like to purchase and, and use that. Um, but we, I think we sell, we sold to every continent except Antarctica and we have distributors in every make sure I have that right. We have distributors in every continent except Antarctica as well. Um, it's uh, um, certainly an international uh, phenomena. And, and is that international aspect growing? I think so, yeah, absolutely. Um, we've seen more and more engagement even from, say, you know, other places in Europe, but also more far-flung far places like uh, a pickup in sort of in India. Australia has always been a great um, place for us um, and robots um, seem particularly uh, enthusiastic about that sort of thing. And um, yeah, we see this growing just about everywhere. So since creating Dexter Industries, uh, I guess what's been the most surprising thing you've noticed in, I guess, either be robotics or the Raspberry Pi or just the business in general? What has surprised you the most since you've started this endeavor? I think um, the engagement of the community. So Previously, we built a lot of hardware for the Lego Mindstorms kits, um, and th it was a lot of fun, and there was a community there, but um, the Raspberry Pi community sort of attracts the um, all sorts of different folks, and for some reason, that just makes for a, a really interesting and really dynamic uh, ecosystem that, say, I've never really kind of experienced as an engineer before. And, and that is, um, you sort of, it sort of attracts a whole spectrum up from, say, a professional software developer that's been working for 30 years and knows a lot about a few things, um, all the way down to kids that are just starting. And it's a pretty even spectrum all the way up and down, which, which makes it kind of interesting because it's sort of a, um, almost like a, a hardware forum, like a piece, of, a piece of hardware that people can kind of come together and discuss um, have all sorts of different backgrounds and strengths. Um, and, you know, you see, um, as with anywhere where a lot of different and interesting people come together, you see all sorts of interesting and different projects and outcomes and, um, 
and, uh, and and different things tried. So I think that makes it you know pretty special compared to um, other stuff that we've worked on. So what does the future hold for Dexter Industries? Well, uh, that's a great question. Um, really interested in, in education and for the next next year we'll be rolling out um, some different curriculum initiatives. So one of the things that we have found w- when we sort of moved from professional to education was that it's actually, it takes effort and it's a product in itself to sort of explain how everything works and to explain really well how to do, say, uh, a project in the classroom. And so uh, you should look for a couple more um, curriculum products um, that sort of help get the Raspberry Pi and help get um, the Grove Pi and the Go Pi Go and the Brick Pi all into classrooms. Should look for a couple of interesting uh, uh, hardware projects. Um, I don't want to give away too much before we sort of uh, before we launch them off, but we'll be doing something for the Grove Pi Zero that I think is kind of fun and interesting and unique. And um, we'll continue to do sort of like hardware and, and robotics around uh, around all the Raspberry Pis. Excited about the Raspberry Pi Three. I just got my hands on it two now two weeks ago. I guess we we unfortunately. Um, uh, just we we learned about it when everybody else learned about it. So uh, I think we bought our bought Raspberry Pis for everybody from Pi Supply, um, who would ship them to everybody that at Dexter Industries, all internationally. And uh, and it's it's a it's really got some really cool improvements. Excited about things like the Wi-Fi and Bluetooth that that uh, came there. And we'll we'll be looking for some interesting ways to use that. Excellent. So if people want to find out more about Dexter Industries or get in contact with you, where's the best place for them to look? Start at our website, dexterindustries.com, and, uh, and go from there. We've got contact page, and um, I, uh, I, I frequently answer customer questions, and I'm always on the forums every day. Okay, great. Well, it's been excellent having you on the show and very interesting, and uh, I hope to speak to you again at some point. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you guys uh, for having me guys that was a great interview with with john cole i was sorry i wasn't able to make it i mean some of the stuff that they do is available and he does it through kickstarter to make robotics really really easy for kids um i came across dexter when the pi b plus came out because they made available a template for making the the case for it so way back when there's this thing called the pi punnet which was a, a cardboard case for your raspberry pi and i came across dexter when they made a version of that available for the the B plus or the Pi 2 type shape. That's the first time I came across them and I've been following them since watching the work they've been doing to make things like robotics much easier. And it sounds like they're really big in the US and uh, doing great things. Yeah, I would recommend if you're listening to this and you know of a kid or your kid or you're interested in robotics and aren't for sure where to start, I would definitely check out Dexter Industries. And if you're looking to get started with the IoT concept of stuff, they're Grove Pie kit, which I own, is really nice, easy way to spin things up. I agree with, totally 100% with what you said, Albert. Easy way to get going with everything, I feel like, that the Raspberry Pi embodies. Yeah, with Dexter Industries and the CamJam stuff, you've got some really great options there. But with that, we come to the end of another Pi Podcast. If you want to get in contact, you can email show at thepiepodcast.com. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, or you can leave a comment on the website. Thanks for joining me, Isaac and Albert, and thanks to everyone for listening. We'll see you again in two weeks with more Raspberry Pi news, interviews, and discussion. Bye, everyone. Take care. See you later.